0: Praise God, it's so good to be back in the house God it is our third service. Hallelujah, it is such a wonderful time. Even as I speak now, the Bahasa's people, our SIBKLBMs are having their revival wave, you know. And I, I was there just now for a short while. Wow, the presence of God was so thick. The presence of God was so real, you know, it really, really is amazing. It's so wonderful to hear them worshipping in BM. It's amazing, it's amazing, right? It's our national language. There's something in it to worship the Lord in our national language. It's so good. So I was down there just now and it's so good to see young people really honouring the Lord and worshipping God. There is hope for our country, you know. There is hope for Malaysia. Do you believe that? There is hope for Malaysia. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're going to really, really be blessed by this message, by Pastor Sabrina, you know she spoke at the second service 30. I was so 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 blessed and I told her not only is it an awesome message that she's going to deliver to us it's the right message not only for our country but specifically for us in SIBKL and I want to believe you hear it attentively understand and take it to heart it's the right word from the Lord for this season of SIBKL so that this season of transition as i always say my ceiling is their trash is their floor it is so important that this blessing of god will go from my generation to the next generation and i hope to your children as well to a thousand generations amen hallelujah so i'm going to introduce pastor sabrina in a short while in a short short way that she is the co lead pastor with Pastor Rachel Bulan of Cornerstone Church in Miri and Kuching as well. She used to be a training consultant but the Lord called her to full-time ministry over 10 years ago and the Lord has given her a heart not only for Malaysia but also for the generation. She's Singaporean but it's very unique that the Lord put in her heart a love for our country and a love for our generations. Would you put her together and welcome on the stage, Pastor Sabrina Praise the Lord. Come on church, you can do better than that. Let's give Princess Sabrina a very warm SIPKL. welcome. Whoa!
1: Amen. Good morning. I heard you are the happening service, so I'm ready to have some fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun in this morning service and I trust the Lord will speak to all of us here this morning as well. Um, happy Malaysia Day and also a happy New Year. It is uh, Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish calendar. And what are the odds? I don't. I don't believe in coincidences. What are the odds that Malaysia Day happened to fall right smack in the middle of Rosh Hashanah? Can I say prophetically that Malaysia, it's a new day. It is a new dawn. Truly, Lord, the winter is past; the springtime has come, and the fields are white unto harvest. Somebody say, "Amen." Amen. amen. I may be a Singaporean, but this is my tenth year in Sarawak, and so I'm very much an anak Sarawak Suda. Uh, my Kelabit name is Ganit, and Ganit means lightning. Oh. Pastor Rachel's Kelabit name is Kedung. That's thunder. So I, I tell her, I go before you, I prepare the way for you. The lightning comes before the thunder. Come on. You know, but I love, love, love Malaysia. I love Sarawak. I love the people of Sarawak. I tell the people in Miri, when I die, please bury me in Miri. Because I've learned so, so much. I've learned so much from the people of Sarawak. And God has just given me a heart for the Anak Sulongs, the people of the land, and uh, they've become a family to me. And so I'm so humbled really to call Sarawak, my Sarawak brothers and sisters a family. Amen. The kingdom of God goes beyond nationalities. The kingdom of God goes beyond national borders. We are all pilgrims on this journey and we're all citizens of heaven. Come on. In fact, I do believe that in this coming move of the Spirit of God, it is going to take two keys to sustaining and to stewarding the move of God. The first key is that it is going to take an international partnership. It will take the partnership of nations because it is not going to be confined within a national border. It is not going to be a Barrio Revival, or a Bakalalan Revival, or even a Malaysian Revival anymore. It is going to be a global move of the Spirit of God. And because it is going to be a global move, it takes the partnership of nations. The second key is this, it will take an intergenerational partnership. Where the hearts of the fathers are turned back to the young and the hearts of the young people are turned back to the spiritual fathers and mothers. I'm going to speak a little bit more of that, but an intergenerational partnership. It's a new era. There is a transition that has happened and we are living in a new era. Somebody say a new era. We are. We are living in a new era. And and an era is not the same as seasons. God is not writing a new chapter in an old book. He is writing a completely new book. We are living in a day where no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can fully comprehend what God has in store for us. Come on, it's an exciting day to be alive. It's a new era. There is new wine that God wants to pour out. There is new oil that God wants to pour out. There is new fire that God wants to pour out. It is going to look so different from the past and old movements. You know, God has always worked in eras. When you study the Bible, you see God working in eras. In fact, let me, let me bring you through a journey of a few scriptures to show to you that He works in eras. Can I do that? Now Acts chapter 13 and verse 20, it says, after that, He gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Let's look at Acts chapter 7 verses 44 and to 46. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it, in turn also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favour before God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. Luke chapter 16 and verse 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God had been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Luke 24 verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father Upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, let me ask you a question What is a common word in all these scriptures I just read? Until. What is until? It is a conjunction. What is a conjunction? It it is a connecting word. It connects two words together, it connects two sentences together, it connects two seasons together, it connects two eras together. And so you see God first working in the era of the judges. All the Bible scholars, who was the first judge? Othniel. Othniel was the first judge and the era of the judges ended with the last judge by the name of? Come on, I know you all read your Bibles. (laughs) Samson, until Samuel the prophet arose. And when Samuel arose, God had now found a man whom he can institute the change that he wants to bring to the nation of Israel. And so the old era, the old system of the judges could no longer work. And then God ruled in the era of the kings, the prophets and the kings, until David arose as king of Israel. And when David arose as king, a man after God's own heart, he had a revelation of the new covenant that God was looking for a people he could dwell together with, a permanent resting place. And when David arose as king, a new era began. And then John the Baptist came on the scene and he started preaching the kingdom of heaven, come on. And that released a new era. And then Jesus comes and He says, now you wait and tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then go and be my witnesses. And you see God working in eras, He is a God of the movements. Come on somebody. He's not just the God of the monuments. Don't be stuck at the monuments, S-I-B-K-L. Worse, don't become a monument. Somebody say amen. amen. God is on the move. He's the God of the movements. Abraham, our father, our forefather, he understood this principle. And that's why everywhere Abraham went, you would read that he would build an altar, but he would pitch a tent. He built an altar to remember what God had done in that place. But he never built a permanent house and stayed there forever. He pitched a temporary tent because he knows that one day God is going to say, Abraham, it's time to move again. And he would pick up his tent and move along with God. He is the God of the movements. Don't be stuck in the monuments. Now, monuments are important. We need to remember history. When you go to revival sites today, you see monuments erected, right? We can't move forward unless we know where we came from. But don't park where God is calling us to move forward. Somebody say amen. Amen. God is on the move. God is on the move. And we've got to move along with the Spirit of God. It is a new era. It's a new era. And so these transitions in the Bible are very important. Because it marks a departure of something that is old. And it's introducing something that is new and better and better. Mark chapter 2 verses 21 and 22 and from here I want to just give us a few points. Now Jesus says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. No one puts new wine into old wine skins or else the new wine bursts the wine skins the wine is spilled and the wine skins are ruined but new wine must be put into new wine skins now can i make a clarification here old wine skins doesn't mean old people are please don't look at your parents and say you are old wine skin. it's got nothing to do with age An old wineskin just goes to show a wineskin that is hardened, it's rigid, it is no longer flexible and stretchable, it is brittle. And so Jesus says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, why? Because new wine goes through a process of fermentation, and in the process of fermentation, gas bubbles are released. And so when that happens and you pour new wine, going through a fermentation process into an old wine skin, the wine skin cannot take it. It bursts. You lose the new wine and you lose the wine skin. So Jesus says, no one puts new wine into old wine skins. And in the same way, can I say it this way? We cannot put new ideas into old mindsets. We cannot get new results with old behaviors. I have it in my next slide. You can't put new ideas into old mindsets. You can't get new results with old behaviors. We either update church or we vacate. Come on. Preach it. Many churches and ministries today, I mean, we insist on pouring new wine into old models, into old systems, over and over again. We resist change. But our carpets have always been maroon color, wa? why it must change? <laughs> our chairs have always been blue, wa? why it must change? Our drum has always been there, wa? why must change? Our service always two fast songs and two slow songs, wa? why it must change? You know, the way we've always done things is not going to cut out in God's new timeline anymore. It is a new era. Welcome to the new era. And it's so sad to see sometimes the church so far behind from the advancements of the world. We fight progress. We resist innovation. We don't want to change. And yet everything is changing around us in a rapid pace. Can I say this, when the world is sitting down, the church ought to be standing up. When the world is standing up, the church of Jesus Christ ought to be standing out. And when the world is standing out, come on church, we ought to be outstanding. We need a new wineskin. Let's not resist change. In fact, let me give us all three steps, three very practical ways in preparing ourselves to becoming new wineskins. The first principle is this, we must break free from the fear of change. Don't be scared of change. Embrace change. God loves us too much to let us stay the same. But we're all creatures of habit. We don't like change. It's uncomfortable. In fact, let me make a guess, after service today, you'll probably go to the same kopitiam, order the same dishes, eat the same food. Yes, guilty as charged, because we don't like change. We like routine, we like habit. But hey, in this new era, we cannot be scared of change. We must break free from the fear of change. If nothing is working, change something. Change a habit in your life. Change the atmosphere. Change the method. Embrace change. The genius Albert Einstein says it this way, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. (laughs) That's insanity, stupidity. We want different results but we keep doing the same things. The same way, the same method over and over again. Let me, before I go to my next point, let me give you a few facts about change. The first fact is this, change is a principle, I cannot avoid it. Change is the only constant, my friends. All around us, there is change that is happening to you, change that is happening around you, change that is happening within you, and change that you also initiate. Change is the only constant, it's it's a principle, you cannot avoid change. In fact, if you're doing the exact same things you did, you're doing this year as you did last year, I tell you what, you don't need to go to a prophet to ask for a prophetic word. Let me prophesy over your life. Your 2023 is going to look exactly the same as 2022. Change something. Some of us, we get prophetic words. We get so excited about these prophetic words over our lives, but nothing is happening. But here's the good news. Romans chapter 11 and verse 29 says it this way. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Come on. Never too late. Never too late to be mobilized. Never too late to to be activated in the anointing and the gifts of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. But change is a principle you cannot avoid it. There are people who are busy but barren. When you ask, but how are you, how are you? Busy lah, tired lah, stressed lah. Our three, top three vocabulary words. Busy, tired, stress. And I know of people who are so busy, but so busy and yet so barren. Have you met people like that? They're doing this, doing that, doing everything, but no fruits in their lives. Don't be busy and barren. If nothing is happening in your life, change something. Change something, come on. So change is a principle, you cannot avoid it. The second fact about change is this, that change is personal. Starts with me. Come on, everybody say, it starts with me. Let's not play the blame game here. Not a new game, started in the Garden of Eden. When Eve ate of the fruit and Adam was scared of his wife, don't dare to confront his wife, blame God instead. You la, you give me this woman? Hashtag story of a man's life. In fact, you know what they say? There are two cues for men to get into heaven. One cue says men who fear their, feared their wives while on earth. The other cue for men to enter into heaven says men who did not fear their wives while on earth. No man has ever queued in that booth before. Except one day, there was this one gentleman queuing at that booth. And so this long line of other men, they were like, Whoa, bro, impressive. You mean you didn't feel your wife when you were on earth. How did you do it? To which this man said, Huh? I don't know lah. My wife asked me to stand here one. <laughs> I tell you another one. Saint Peter was guarding the gates of heaven and uh, this man came towards him and he's like, how do I get into heaven? And Peter said, easy, spell love. So the man is like, L-O-V-E, love. And Peter's like, welcome into, welcome to heaven. Ah, by the way, uh, can you, can you guard the gates for a while? I need to use the toilet. So Peter goes to the toilet and this man is guarding the gates of heaven and then he sees his wife walking towards him. He's like, honey, what are you doing in heaven? And so the wife's like, Habi, when you died, I was at a funeral and I was just devastated la. I was crying, I was on the way home and I met into an accident and so I died. Habi, <laughs> how do I get into heaven? And the man said, easy, honey. Spell, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> okay, one for the man, one for the woman, fair and square. Listen, change is personal, it starts with me. Take responsibility of your own lives. Come on. You cannot be blaming your wives, your husbands, your children, your parents, your friends, your church pastors, your church leadership when nothing is happening in your life. Amen. Amen. Nobody has authority to control you unless you let them. Can I tell you something profound? You are the way you are because that's the way you want to be. Change is personal. It starts with me. The third fact about change is this, that change is possible. I can. Have you heard people say, yeah, my husband ah, he will never change one ah. my, The leopard ah, will never change its spots. But that's not truth. Go back to the Word of God. Go back to the standards of the Word of God. Change is possible. I can. In fact, let me sing a song. I'm having too much fun. Can I have fun? (laughs) When Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. When Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. Come on. If he says, I can be holy, I can be holy. If he says, I can be more than a conqueror, I can be more than a conqueror. I don't have to succumb to temptation and sin. I can. Change is possible. You know what more than a conqueror even means? Let me tell you a story to paint my point. You know, this man wanted to take part in a wrestling competition. And he's, he tells his wife, I'm going to be part of this match. You know, the winner, the champion of this wrestling match uh, goes home with one million ringgit. The wife's like, please lah, you some poor poor one. Haven't even trained, no muscle, nothing. You want to win this wrestling match? So the guy's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. So, uh, you know, he disciplines his, himself, pumps pumps uh, muscles, right? takes all his protein. He enters into the match. Wow, wins, gets into the semi-finals. Fights, wow, wins. Gets into the finals. He fights and he wins. He goes back with that 1 million ringgit cheque. And then the wife, he says to the wife, Honey, see, I proved you wrong. I won the wrestling match. Then the wife said, Very good. Well done, hubby. Now give me the (laughs) cheque. Now, the man was a conqueror. But the wife was more than a conqueror. She didn't have to lift a finger to fight. She didn't have to get all wounded and bruised and broken. But she got the money. Jesus is our conqueror. He won death on the cross. Death, where is your sting? And he says, now you are called to be more than conquerors. Change is possible, I can. I can. It's a fact. Now the next fact about change is this. Change is painful. It is costly. It is painful. But when we talk about pain, we're not talking about change in itself that is painful. It is the transition that is painful. When I decide I want to change this part of my life, I go into a process of transition. It is in that transition that is painful. Because transition is this, it is the psychological, the relational, the emotional and the financial processing of change. It touches these things. It's painful, but there's some kind of pain that you and I must learn to embrace. This is a good kind of pain. Because once we stop changing, we stop growing. My next fact is this, change is not just painful, it is rewarding. It's profitable. Come on. Go through the pain of the process to get to the promise of the purpose. Oh, that was so good. I'll say it again. Go through the pain of the process to get to the promise of the purpose it is profitable. It is rewarding. You'll see the growth that comes after. You'll see the reward that comes after. Amen. Embrace change. My next fact is this, that change is perpetual. It's continuous. Some people say, oh, you know, in the 2019, ah, I made some changes. Hey, 2023 already, yeah. In fact, help me preach this morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them, take a good look at me because next week when you see me, I'm not going to look the same. <laughs> I'm going to look different. Because isn't life with Jesus, even our, isn't our walk with the Lord one that consists of change? We're being transformed from glory to glory. We all love the word Glory. For the in-between word, ah, uh, two alphabets only, T O two. It's such a long and painful process from glo- glory to glory. But change is perpetual. It is continuous. Don't stop changing. Don't stop growing. Growth requires change. And in my pastoral experience, I've come to realize that there are some people you can counsel all day, all night, and they won't change. They have decided, I'm going to remain the same. And these people can even give me Bible scriptures to back They are not changing up. (laughs) Human beings are interesting people. My next fact is this. Change is predictable. You can plan it. You can plan it. Seasons. Uh, Malaysia, we don't understand seasons. We only have two seasons, hot and hotter. But in the western part of the world, they understand seasons. When winter is coming, they prepare for winter. When winter is coming, the next season, what do they take out? Your bikinis? No, they take out their fur coats. Everything changes. You can plan for change. The, The food they eat start to change. What time they wake up start to change. Change is often predictable. We can all plan for change. So look at your life and ask yourself, what do I need to change? What do I need to change? If you're late every Sunday, your spouse and your kids cannot be the reason why you're always late. Change something. Can you all turn to your neighbour and say she's talking about you? If you're not seeing prophetic words of the Lord come to pass in your life, change something. Change the grounds of your hearts. Create a greenhouse where the seed of the Word can take root and bear fruit. If if you've been having the same toxic problem with the same friend for 10 years, change your friend. (laughs) But there are some things you cannot change uh, like your spouse. Oh, wow, come on. You can't change your spouse. Some of you are like, yeah, I cannot change my spouse. So change. We must break free from the fear of change. Amen, people of God. Embrace change. It's a new era. You know, being stuck in old methods, old systems, old mindsets. In fact, I don't like the word mindset because it shows me a mind that is already set cannot change. I like to use instead the word mind-skin, mind-skin, stretchable, flexible, still can change. We all need new mind-skins and new wine-skins, amen. The second step is this, unto becoming new wine-skins for the Lord, is this, we must be willing to lay down certain traditions. We must be willing to lay down certain traditions. People who are married to the past cannot embrace the future. I'll go on to say that sacred cows don't belong in the pulpit. They belong to be sacrificed on the altars. And we're going to see the church evolve. Because I tell you what, people in the church and people outside of the church are sick and tired of churches becoming just institutions in her religious dogmatic systems that hold no power. Come on. Paul the Apostle says it this way, my word and my preaching is not just in human intellectual persuasion, but it is in the demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God. And people are looking for the real deal. The next generation, they're looking for what is authentic, what is genuine, the genuine move of God. Not just talk, but a demonstration of the power of the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. We, we must, we must church be willing to lay down certain traditions. For the sake of the world, we need a new mind skin and a new wine skin. You know, when 2020 happened, we crossed into the year 2020. A lot of preachers all over the world, they were saying the same things. Oh, it's 2020. God wants to give us 2020 vision, accurate vision. So I brought it to the Lord. I said, God, is this really what you're seeing? 2020 vision, accurate vision. And the Lord said, when you go to an optometrist, he covers your good eye to expose and to strengthen your, to test out your weak eye, right? And then he said to me, now go and study the early day church. And as I did a study again of the early day church in the book of Acts, I saw that the apostles and the disciples of all didn't just go from temple to temple, church to church, synagogue to synagogue. They also went from house to house, breaking bread over tables to tables. And so the Lord said this to me, 2020, I am going to cover the good eye of the church, which is the temple. Because we've known how to do temples very well. We know what's after this. We we know, We, we can close our eyes and run services. We can close our eyes and run conferences. We're very good at the temple. And the Lord says, and I am going to expose and strengthen the weak eye of the church, which is the table of community. The table of friendship. The table of relationship. Because we've been so functional, we have lost our relational. And so I wrote it down in my journal and I thought, wow, that's okay. That's, that's, that's deep. Let's, let's wait, on the, wait on the Lord for the word. And then the lockdown happened. And when the lockdown happened, the temple was literally shut. And so I'm like, no way, Jose. God, what are you saying? And then the government was very slow to lift up. The number of people that could come back to the temple, right? 30 people and then 40 people and then 50 people with a church your size. How do you even choose 30 people who to come back without showing any partiality? And so we came together and we said, surely God is saying something. It is not business as usual. It cannot be church as usual anymore. And so we said, God, we don't want to miss the point. We don't want to miss the point. What are you saying and what are you doing? And the Lord reminded us temple and table. He said to us, bring it, bring the temple to the tables. Your people own cafes, right? Your people own gyms, right? Your people own schools, right? Restaurants, right? Businesses, right? Get these people to open up their places for you to run your services in. Can I show you the next slide of pictures? This is just a few photos out of many other locations we had our services in, in Miri. And so, and so we started meeting all these people. Like, hey, will you open your gym? Ah? Hey, will you open your cafes, your restaurants, your schools? You know, let's trim our services into these places and have people gather around tables in smaller groups. And so we did that. That's a Muay Thai gym and people who would have never ever stepped into a temple like this, a church service like this, they started stepping into the tables. We saw Muay Thai fighters with full body tattoos being ministered to by the presence of God as the service was being streamed in the gym. Our people suddenly got empowered and activated because now, Pastor's not there ma, we are not omnipresent. We can't be in all the locations at the same time. And so the body of Christ got mobilized. Our people started prophesying over these men. They started praying for these men. We saw salvations like we never saw before. It's amazing. And then there was this girl who had backslidden for more than 10 years of her life. She found our Cornerstone um, Borneo YouTube channel online during the pandemic. And so she started following us online. And this was a Father's Day weekend. She had ordered a cake from one of our church members' cafe called the JS Cafe. She was driving to the cafe to collect the Father's Day cake that she had ordered, playing our YouTube service on her phone in the car. Her words, her testimony is this, I was so ministered to by the Lord, I was already weeping in my car. So it was a bummer, I had to pause the service, go into the cafe and collect the Father's Day cake. She said, but when I stepped into the cafe, I couldn't believe my eyes. Because there were like people worshipping to the same service I was tuning into. And she stood at the corner. And on Father's Day, she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, my daughter, welcome home. My daughter, welcome home. And we saw, we saw this move that we had not seen. I mean, people were coming and getting saved, getting healed around tables. Tables of community. Those who would never step into the temple. I'm not saying either or. I'm saying we need both. Do not forsake the assembly of the saints of God. The temple is essential. Please don't stop coming. But we need to strengthen the table of friendship. We need to strengthen the table of authentic relationships. Come on. They were not just brushing shoulders on Sunday. Okay, God bless you. How are you? Good lah. Shalom. Shalom. Good, good, good. Inside, we're dying. Depressed. Anxious. Fearful. Suicidal. But nobody knows about it. We need to strengthen the table of friendships and relationships. Of community. Authenticity and genuinity. Somebody say amen. amen. We need both. It's not either or, it's never either or. It's always a convergence of both. Some churches you go to, people say, oh, that's a word church. Some churches, that's a spirit church. I think, why must why must we brand churches like that, huh? That's a word church. It's a spirit church. Why can't we be both? Word and spirit. Hello. We don't have to choose word. We don't have to choose spirit. Word and spirit. That's what the five wise virgins had, the lamp and the oil. Hello? The lamp, which is the word of God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. The oil, which is the, the spirit of God. We need both. It's never either or. Somebody say amen. amen. And so there are some traditions we must be willing to lay down. If we were so hard up and we're like, no, but we need the elders to be around. We need, you know. We, we would have never dared to step out to do something we've never done before. I tell you, there's something there. Honestly, it's so new. Even I am nervous. I'm just like, God, it cannot be church as usual. It is not time for business as usual. There is something there. Show us a blueprint. Give us strategies. In laying down our traditions, I believe we're going to see a convergence. We're going to see a unity come in these several areas like we've never seen before. The first area I believe we're going to see a unity come into is a unity amongst the five-fold ministry. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Gone are the days of one-man superstar celebrity speaker. We are stepping into a new era where it is going to take a team effort. It is going to take the activation of the body ministry. Where the apostles are not insecure about the prophets. The prophets are not having a competition with the evangelists. We're all different where we can come together putting aside insecurities, putting aside intimidation, if the five officers can come together to function in the church, the church will be an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. We need to see a unity of the five-fold ministry. You know, for a long time now, the Lord says, right, that my church is being built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But a long time now, When I look at the church universal, many churches have been built upon the pastors and the teachers. No wonder we're not going at the pace that God has designed the church to go. It's almost like we're driving in reverse gear. You can still get to your destination. (laughs) If you drive reverse gear, you can still get to your destination. But not at the speed that you were designed to go at. so we need the five, four officers to come together. And God, and whom God appoints, He anoints. My pastor says this. Some people are sent. Others just took the microphone and went. (laughs) Don't be found in the letter category. I'm not saying go around calling yourselves apostles and prophets. I can't care less about titles. I'm talking about function. We need to see a convergence of the five-fold ministry. Pastor Rachel and I, we're so different. And the first few years of working together, it's iron sharpening iron. We were insecure. You know, I had to come to terms, it's okay. When you pray for people, people cry. I I pray for people, people don't cry. (laughs) You know, and and so, man, we were just like iron sharpening iron. I thought I was prophetic until I met Pastor Rachel. I'm like, why are you even more prophetic, oh? And then she would compare her preaching with mine and she'd be like, I can never preach like you, Sabi. And, you know, and we were just like, oh man, we're just finding ourselves in the first few years of working together. It's been 10 years working together. It's a miracle we're still working together. <laughs> but we came to terms with our calling. We're now so comfortable to be in our own skin, to be in our own identity, to be in our own calling and anointing. You function in the way God has called you to function. I'll function in the way God has called you and called me and designed me and wired me to function. We're not trying to fit one another in each other's mould. We're going to see a unity like never before. And the church is going to be an unstoppable force. And I do believe it's time for the Asian apostles, the Asian prophets, the Asian evangelists, the Asian pastors, the Asian teachers to arise in this hour. Some people when you're gonna, you're going to go like, where did she come from? Wow, where did he come from? These are the hidden ones of God. And the time is coming, Romans 8. All creation groans and groans for the revealing of these sons and daughters of glory. And when these people emerge, you're going to go, where did she come from? Where did he come from? Come on. The unity amongst the 5 office ministry is going to be so glorious. And The second unity I believe we're going to start seeing in these last days, in this new era, is a unity amongst the churches. We have moved from a church age to a kingdom age. It is no longer just how I can grow my church, grow my ministry, build my church. In fact, it's not your church, it's the Lord's church. We preach the kingdom and build the church. We don't preach our church and try to build the kingdom. I've not gone to Sarawak to preach the gospel of Cornerstone. I've gone to Sarawak to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And in preaching the kingdom, we are essentially building the church. Don't get the reverse. And we're going to see a unity amongst churches like never before. A collaboration of churches coming together to see the kingdom of heaven advanced. Amen. Israel, the nation of Israel, was a composite of 12 different tribes. And depending on which tribe you came under, that would also determine the inheritance and the anointing that you came came under. And so, how many of you know that the church down the road does not look like SIBKL? Although most of you wish that every church in Malaysia looks like SIBKL. There are specific anointings and assignments that God has placed over different tribes. But under God, Israel was one nation. The tribal anointing on Cornerstone is different from the the tribal anointing upon S I B K L. There's no competition here. But under God, we are one body. We are one body. And I do believe that God is going to deal with this whole issue of churches being threatened, churches being intimidated when a new church opens in town. We're going to see a unity of churches like never before. It's no longer how we can build our church, but how we can collaborate together, putting our differences aside to advance the kingdom of God in our cities, in our communities, in our nations. Somebody say amen. The next area I believe we're going to see is a unity in the local church. In the local church. The devil is never threatened by a big church. But the devil is threatened by a united church. It's unity, not the numbers. You can be a lot of people and yet be so divided. It's unity that threatens the enemy's camp. We're going to see the local body function in a full measure of her calling. Not just the pastors functioning, not just the full-time staff operating, but the entire body of SIBKL coming together in unity and to, to be a blessing to one another. What I carry may not be what you carry. What you carry may not be what I carry. But can you imagine how beautiful and how glorious it will be if I can be a blessing to you in my gifts and you can also be a blessing to me in your gifts? Then we edify the body of Christ. We build up the body of Christ. We're going to see a unity in the local church. The last area before I move on is this unity amongst the generations. And this is really on my heart. I make it a point, every church I go to, I preach about the generations. And that's your, that's your mandate, right? Go grow generations. I observe. (laughs) Unity amongst the generations. The, 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 The divide between the generations in many churches today, it's hurting us. It's hurting the church. Listen, revival doesn't start with young people. The faces of revival can be young people, but that's because our spiritual forefathers and mothers have paved the way and paid the price for us to be in revival. The coming move of God is not going to start with young people. It's going to come through one generation. And that's the young and the old. One generation. The last Book, last chapter, last verses of the Old Testament in Malachi says it this way. Malachi 4, 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The last word of the Old Testament is the word curse. How melancholic. I remember reading this and I'm like, God, so depressing. Can you not end the Old Testament with the word blessing or fruitfulness or favour, curse? And the Lord said this to me, Sabi, it's because before the, new, the Old Testament transits into the New Testament, before the Old Covenant transitions into the New Covenant, like this old era that we're stepping into a new era, a generational reconciliation needs to happen. A generational reconciliation needs to happen. An intergenerational partnership. And so Satan knows he cannot stop the move of God. So what does he do? He divides the generations so that the land is cursed. The reverse of that is a healing across the generations. Listen, when the old people say to the young people, I've eaten more salt than you, are." I've eaten more rice bowl than you, are. Uh. Come back when you know better. That's pride. When the young people say to the old people, yeah, you're very irrelevant already, lah. so cuantong, so traditional, give me the baton, I'll run. That's also pride. We need to honour one another across the Generations. It's been prophesied over young people. You are the Joshua generation. You're going to inherit the promised land. Sure. You are the Esther generation. You're going to be standing before kings and queens. Sure. I don't doubt that. You are the Elisha generation. Double portion. Sure. But look at all these people's lives. Joshua was aligned to Moses. Esther had an uncle, Mordecai. Elisha was aligned to Elijah. Do you see the intergenerational partnership here? Older folks, we need you. Don't drop the baton. Don't drop the ball. David did not drop the ball. He did not drop his dream. David had a dream. He wanted to build God a house. But the Lord said to him, David, you're a man of war. There's blood on your hands. You cannot build me a house. What was his response? Oh, I want to build you a house. Don't let me build you a house. Forget it lah. No. Instead, he transferred. You talk about biblical succession. He transferred that dream to his son, Solomon. And Solomon built the Lord a house. And that's when David wrote Psalm chapter 127. He says this, that children or sons are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the, of the womb is a reward. You know the word children here, when you study the Bible, the original Greek text of the word means dream builders. So let me rephrase that, 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 that verse. Behold, dream builders are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the, of the womb is a reward. Your children are dream builders. Your spiritual sons and daughters of this house are dream builders. Don't drop the ball, fathers. Don't drop the ball, mothers. During the Jesus movement, the young hippies were not accepted by the older generation. They came in hobos, stinking. And the, and the old people could not accept, they could not father the young people. Simultaneously, three other secular movements were happening. You had the Women Liberation Movement, the Gay Rights Movement, and the Civil Rights Movement. Today, these three movements are still happening in the secular world, but the Jesus Movement has died. Why? Because the older people could not accept. They could not father the younger people. And when you study revival history, the Jesus Movement became quite a rebellious movement because the young people were repulsed. By authorities in the church. Think about that. Unity amongst the generations. We need a generational reconciliation. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's not old people versus young people. It's one generation. We are one generation. Can I invite the worship team? I'm coming to a close. So for preparing to becoming new wineskins, we must break free from the fear of change. We must be willing to lay down certain traditions that no longer work. It's a new era. We need new wineskins. And number three, we must ask the Holy Spirit for new strategies. We must ask the Holy Spirit to release his new strategies. Because church, if the work of transforming the church is not totally led by the Holy Spirit, it will be a superficial upgrade. It will be shallow. And the last thing we need, S-I-B-K-L, is a superficial upgrade. We don't need a superficial, shallow upgrade. We don't want to change for the sake of changing, you understand? Lean in and ask the Holy Spirit for His new era strategies. He who has years to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, let him hear. And I believe the Lord wants to unleash a gushing river of new wine in this, in this house. He's, he's directing us as a church, SIBKL, to prepare your wine skins. What is old must be renewed by the Spirit of God. What is outdated must be remodeled. What is ineffective must be replaced. God wants to do a new thing, do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? It's a new era. We cannot say, we've always been doing it like that. Let's continue doing it. Cannot. Don't become a monument. Move along with God. As IBKL, you're called to be a pattern for others. This house You're called to be a pattern for many other churches in this nation. In east of Malaysia, east Malaysia is looking towards SIBKL. You're like a role model in Sarawak, in Sabah. I pray you ask the Lord God, what are your new strategies? Because it is not church as usual. It cannot be business as usual. We need a new wineskin. And I tell you what, God is going to move in such a new way, right? That because we have not seen Him move in this new way before, it it may be offensive to some of us. But can I encourage you this morning? Guard your hearts from offenses. Don't be offended by God. Many, many of us, we put God into our religious mould. And we say, God, you can only move like this because I've experienced you move like this. And when he moves some somewhere else or some some way else, then we get offended. But can I say, don't pluck out the tears and in turn also pluck out the wheat. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water. If you don't understand what God is doing, don't criticise it. Don't speak badly about it. Instead, say, God, tenderise my heart. If this is really a genuine move of the Holy Spirit, I want to be part of it. Give me a part in this new move. I want to taste new wine. New oil. New fire in this new era. I say for the sake of our children. For the sake of our children's children. We need to change. The church needs to change her wine skin. Can we all stand to our feet as we come to a close? Don't be offended with things you don't understand. I love what Bill Johnson said. He says it this way, that God often offends our minds to expose what is in our hearts. God often offends our minds to expose what is in our hearts. It's a new move. You know, a few months ago, Pastor Rich and I, we were in Indonesia. And what we saw in Indonesia was mind-blowing. It goes against every religious fibre of your spirit. I've not seen new wine poured out in that way like the Indonesian church. Anyway, so we were in Indonesia. And in one of the sessions, there was so much joy. There was so much freedom in the place, right? The worship team literally broke out in a song and they sang "Baby Shark." So they all sang "Baby Shark, do 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 do, Baby Shark, do 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 do." They sang the whole song, mind you. "Baby Shark, mommy shark, daddy shark, grandma shark, grandpa shark, swim away, safe at last." The thousands of Indonesians, no one, no one flinched. I mean, everybody in the joy of the Lord, oh, did the action. Baby shark. You know who were the most religious people in the hall? Pastor Rachel Bulan and myself. We looked at each other and we're just like, what? Are they singing baby shark in a Christian conference? Don't they know it's demonic? It just went against our religious spirits. But I tell you, right, when they were singing Baby Shark, right, there was this atmosphere of joy that liberated the people. This Apostle, right, who has planted hundreds of churches in Nagaland, was on his knees crying. You just know what's going on. And it was so liberating. I felt so liberated. So liberated, and so we joined in. Also, baby, we, we danced together with our Indonesian brothers and sisters, and then we sang "Rasa sayang You know, it was so fun, so fun. It wasn't hyped up joy. It wasn't, oh, come on, come on, ready, come on, come on. No, nobody said come on. There was such a joy in the place, and mind you, the Indonesian church is a persecutor church. The young people in that place, they are ready to die a martyr's death for Jesus any day. These are our friends. Much younger than the both of us. I'm not, I shouldn't be preaching in your conference. You should be the ones preaching. I need to catch your anointing. But they're amazing. And a persecuted church knows joy. They know joy. They know new wine so powerful i tell you we're in this new era it's the era of the holy spirit and we're stepping into the era of the holy spirit and the holy spirit is going to confront one spirit it's called the religious spirit all our religious spirits now don't look so holy on me now i believe all of us here we carry a measure of the religious spirit And we're going to be so confronted by the Holy Spirit in this new era. There are things that are going to make us so uncomfortable. But guard your hearts from offenses. You don't understand it, don't talk bad about it. Say, God, tenderize my heart. Tenderize my heart. Just lift up your hands and close your eyes. I don't believe this is a personal call I don't believe this is an individualistic call I do believe that this is a corporate call This is a corporate call for this house S-I-B-K-L You are a pattern for others People are looking towards this house you got to ask the Lord Give us a new wineskin, Lord Surely it is not business as usual Release Holy Spirit strategies Give us the spirit of revelation that He who has ears to hear, we will hear and will catch the heart of God in this new era. And so can we all corporately respond together? If you're part of this house, if you're a son and a daughter of this house, will you join together with your pastors, with your leaders and press in for this? Say, God, we welcome, we welcome change. We welcome change. We won't be offended if the worship team doesn't sing two fast songs and two slow songs. We welcome change. We won't be offended if the service goes over time. I am 13 minutes, 10 seconds over time. We welcome change. Father, I thank You for the mandate, the assignments, the purposes of God, the tribal anointing that You have placed over this church. S-I-B-K-L. God, we honor the spiritual father and mother in this house, Pastor Chu and Pastor Li Chu. God, for the sacrifices, for the tears that they have, have shed, even in pioneering the move of God in this nation. God, and we want to stand together with these pastors, with our spiritual papa and mama this morning, and we say, God, give us a new wine skin. Give us a new mind skin. We don't want to be stuck in the old move. We don't want to park at the monument when God is calling us to move forward. We don't want to resist change. We don't want to resist progress. We want to move together with the Spirit of God. I pray for a divine alignment of this house. A divine alignment of SIBKL in this new era to You, God. A divine alignment. You know, I see the Lord just coming and He's putting like a yardstick. He's putting a yardstick into the grounds of this house. And He says there is a new standard. There is a new measurement in this new era. And I'm causing a divine alignment to come because He is zealous for this house. God Himself is zealous for this house. So we say, yes, Lord. Divine alignment, divine alignment. I pray that this church will make the shift together with you into the new era, for new wineskins to steward, to host the new wine, the new oil that you want to pour out in this new day, in this new dawn, in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, amen. Amen. I'm going to get the worship team. Break down the walls. For my tradition. religion,
0: you're always better. better. You're always better. For all, all my, my tradition, amen. For all my religion, you're always ways better. better. He who has a year let him hear what the spirit says to the churches we have to spiritually discern what god is saying to us as a nation on this malaysia day but more importantly in might be to us in sibkl this is what i said this is not only a good message it is a right message right timing right content Not only in terms of the fact that my era is coming to a close. As I told you already, in less than a year's time, I'm transiting out so that a new generation of leaders will take up. But I always say that let my ceiling be their floor. They take over to the next generation, understand? To build to a higher level. And my prayer is that when the next generation takes over, as I be careful will rise to the next level, and I don't want any one of you to leave. Don't want any one of you to go away, because Pastor Chu is no more say senior pastor. No, it's not true. We have to bless them. We have to believe in them. Understand? We have and It's not surprising. I do not think it is all coincidental. That in a few days' time, this week, I'm taking my whole pastoral team to a pastoral planning, not only for next year but for the next era. Isn't it amazing, Pastor? Isn't it amazing? We are leaving on Wednesday and this is the right message to propel us as a launching pad as we plan. We already planned but together on all the 20 over pastors we're going to meet together to plan not only for 2024 which is our 30th anniversary. 30 is a very significant year. 30 is a year of maturity. 30 is a year of breakthrough. 30 is a year of fullness. This is a year so important. So I want to challenge all of us. Isaiah 43, verse 18, 19 says, Forget the former things. Don't remember the past. See. God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? As if God is so frustrated. Don't you see it? I'm making a highway in the wilderness streams in the desert that's what God could do for us let's all believe it shall we do that? Hallelujah raise your hands to the Lord let's close. we have no time for flippant things no time for distractions i got no time absolutely no time for rubbish because this is a new era understand either we make it and overcome or we will be overcome understand forces of darkness is gathering in the world father in Jesus name help us to be so fired up with the urgency of the times that we have no time for flippant things and distractions no time no time help us to be focused resolute resilient So that our eyes are focused on you. On you. We have sung it today. Adonai, Elohim, Shaddai. That's who you are. That's who you are. And my prayer is Father Lord that we will be found faithful to the very end. That this church will be found faithful to the very end. so father lead us and guide us into the new era into the new era father Lord so that at the end of the day God we can say we have fulfilled your purpose for us in our generation like you said of David David fulfilled his purpose for his generation. generation and your generation so Father lead us on in the coming days that we will be faithful to your mandate to your call lead us Father God I wish I don't end I know I'm going to close I'm going to bless you today think of the message don't let the message just go away understand reflect on it believe in it believe that this is the Kairos moment for us for you personally for the church and for our nation and it's amazing that God can speak to us on Malaysia weekend Amen This is the word of the Lord. And so may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face always to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord turn his face towards all of us and our loved ones and always give us his shalom Jesus' precious name be prayed. Of course, people say aloud. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a good clap offering. God bless you all. Continue to reflect on the Word of God. All right. Continue to make the Word of God flesh. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Amen. Oh, sorry. There is no hospitality today. All right. If you are new here, please go to the Connect counter we still don't want to miss you we still want to connect with you all right there's no hospitality because the revival wave is going on one floor below us so if you are new here we want to connect with you thank you so much for being here go to the connect counter outside in the lobby and give us permission to connect with you god bless you have a wonderful week